0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Okay, so I'm trying really hard not to convulsively laugh as I look at these photographs that were posted online of Mark Zuckerberg who thinks he's taunting uh, Elon Musk with his physique, like with his ripped, skinny physique. Oh man, it's, it's kind of laughable. If you wanna see it for yourself, you can go on one of the uh, aggregate websites and it'll be there. You know, um, I don't even know where to begin. First and foremost, thank you to all the people who were so concerned about my reaction to the second shingles vaccine. First and foremost, it was not my intention to tell anybody not to get those vaccines because I got them, you know, so I certainly wouldn't um, tell you not to get them. I just reported on how I was feeling and I woke up this morning, I am like 100% normal, fine, everything. As a matter of fact, I don't think I have felt this good in weeks. Maybe because it's the you know the comparative way I felt when I woke up yesterday morning to the way I feel this morning. I feel great. Everything's okay. So whatever it was, whatever that reaction was, it lasted just over thirty hours, and uh, I could live with that. And if you have ever seen anybody go through the shingles, um, you'd make that choice too. Like I said, when my um, radio partner for years, Skipper Chuck Chuck Zink, went through the uh, bout with shingles. It broke my heart. I never saw anybody in that kind of pain in my life that had to continue to walk around. Nobody feels sorry for you. If you tell them you have the shingles, they go, okay. You know, oh, it was awful. But he could reveal to me the the agony. And and, and I, I, I swore that I would get that vaccine. I got the original vaccine, which apparently only had like a 40% efficacy rate. And then when the new one came out and everybody was saying, get this, get this, my, my primary physician, I did. and. Look, I I really did feel that bad yesterday, but twenty-four hours is not that, uh, not that big a deal, you know, in the overall scheme of things. So, uh, you know, I'm really starting to enjoy the uh, level of discomfort that I'm seeing both parties go through. Because, see, I'm not a believer in party politics, and now let me reframe that because it was an article in the Epic News which really, um, it was an editorial actually, an opinion piece by Roger Simon, who every now and then just hits the nail on the head. And I'm just gonna you know, not quote it, but, but speak from memory. And he talked about the fact that most Americans are really um, n- n- not particularly happy with either party, or you know or more importantly with their own party you know if you consider yourself a democrat and you're looking at Joe Biden stumble around in Great Britain and have to be pulled away from the honor guard by you know Prince Charles who's at least as old as him isn't he you know, pretty close and, and and or you watch him at NATO and he can't show up to the dinner because they said he has too much work meanwhile he spent the whole weekend at the beach you're just scratching your head and going like this is the best that we can do we're going to, after the humiliation we've endured for three years, the Democrats really think that this is the best they got? You know, I, I don't believe that. And I, I'm here to tell you, you know, I had a, some listener send me an email saying, like, you know, if you remember in the uh, Godfather movies or in any mafia movies, when the horse's head shows up in your house, I mean, it's not a good sign. And when the bag of cocaine shows up in the White House, it's not a good sign, you know. And I, I'm I'm getting that sense that the Democrat Party, the DNC in particular, is really nervous about uh, Joe Biden and his prospects. You know, when you're neck and neck with a guy who's got like double indictments on him, (laughs) you're really not sitting well and you're the incumbent, okay? But that's where they are. And now they're getting all nervous. First of all, they're nervous about RFK Jr. because RFK Jr. seems to be resonating with a lot of people, And we we all know, no matter what you think, the elections, when the country is as divided as this country is right now, the elections will be decided by independent voters, by people who do not identify as Republicans and do not identify as Democrats, which means they feel perfectly comfortable voting for whatever ticket best appeals to their need, right? Right. So they're nervous about RFK Jr. because he is in every sense of the word, and I think he called himself an old JFK Democrat, You know, which in case those of you who are new to this show don't realize, so was I, so was Ronald Reagan. There were lots of us who left the Democrat party because it got so wackadoodle and it was not as wackadoodle as it is now. I mean, when I left, it was just a little weird. Now it's, what? You know, uh, drag queens and, and transgender nude nudity on the White House lawn, bags of cocaine. No, you know, the, the, that kind of stuff wasn't going on. I mean, Jimmy Carter did have the drunk brother up on the patio. But, that, you know, that's really kind of minor when you think about it. And by the way, Jimmy Carter has now been in hospice for how long? Like half a year? You know, I don't wish anything bad on Jimmy Carter but I wrote out my monologue for the day he passes when they announced he went into a hospice and it, the pa- page is turning yellow you know god bless him what a what a constitution right even in the terminal stages of whatever illness he's got now he's still uh, alive can't you can't make that stuff up. I I almost wonder if they just like you know maybe put him in a state you know like a frozen capsule or something and they're trying to save him I I, I don't know Anyway, so now they're not only worried about RFK Jr., who appeals to independents and appeals to some Republicans. I'm one of them. I'm not a Republican. But he appeals to independents like me who consider themselves conservatives. Right? Most independents are libertarians or they lean more towards uh, Democrat Party. They're social libertarians and stuff like that. And then there's the conservative uh, independents like me. We're just not satisfied with what the Republican Party serves up, you know. But now they got this other third party presidential campaign that's threatening any hope they have of getting President Biden reelected. And who is that? Well, it's like one of my like favorite people to talk about because he's just so interesting and so colorful, Professor Cornell West, a philosopher He's an Ivy League academic. He's so far to the left that there is no further you can go. I mean, well, maybe Noam Chomsky, but th- that's about as far as you can go is Cornell West and Noam Chomsky. And of course, now he has newly registered with the Green Party, and he's going to challenge Biden and the eventual Republican nominee for the White House. Now, look, Cornell West has zero chance, well, let me not say that, has like less than 1% chance of being elected president in the 2024 election. But he could steal a lot of votes away from the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party leans very heavily on certain groups, right? Certain identity groups. They have spent an enormous amount of their capital, both emotional and, uh, and financial, on convincing certain minority communities and certain, uh, you know, levels of academia and professionalism that they're the party they belong to. So when you have someone like Cornell West come out and say, no, 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 you know, if you're, if you're African-American, you need to look at my candidacy because what have the Democrats done for you lately? You know, so of course the DNC chairman, this Jamie Harrison, who is very close to President Joe Biden said well this is not the time in order to experiment this is not the time to play around on the margins oh really Mm. i remember people back in the day when hillary clinton was running against president donald trump and i got on the air one day and i said jill stein who was at that time the green party nominee i said jill stein poses a real threat to the clinton campaign because if it's close Jill Stein is not going to steal votes for Do- from Donald Trump. He's going to steal votes from Hillary Clinton. And I'm sure that in retrospect, although you'd hardly ever get a Democrat to admit it, they admit I was right. You know, And so now even if they wouldn't admit that Jill Stein stole votes, they're really nervous about Cornell West stealing votes from Joe Biden because Joe Biden's much more fragile and vulnerable than Hillary Clinton was. Remember, we were all sitting around. It's a fait accompli. Hillary Clinton's going to be the first woman president. It's going to be Hillary whatever the guy's name who was running with him, Tim something. I can't even remember the name of the VP candidate. He's a, a senator from uh, Virginia, wasn't he? I forgot his name already, which shows how valuable he was to the ticket. But anyway, and everybody was saying, like, you know, Donald Trump? Are you kidding? Donald Trump? And Mike Pence, former radio show Indiana governor? Nah, it's going to be Hillary all the way. And people like me and Ann Coulter were going, hmm, I love the fact that Jill Stein's in the race. Hmm the uh, flyover country is really pro-Trump. You know, Trump's out there shaking hands. You know, he's talking to people in Iowa and, and he's talking to people in Kansas and he's shaking hands in uh, even Wisconsin. This is a, a unique style of campaigning. Well, here we go again, right? Here we go again. It's obvious. If it isn't obvious to you and is obvious, it isn't obvious to uh, Ron DeSantis, it certainly is obvious to me that Donald Trump is going to win the nomination if the Republican Party uh, stands up to the Democrat Party and stops all of this legal shenanigans until after the race, he will win. And when he gets the nomination, it doesn't matter what Chris Christie thinks, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks, when he gets the nomination, he is going to poll well ahead of Joe Biden once everybody knows who the candidate is. That's all, um, and all of the people who supposedly were allies to Joe Biden, including Hillary Clinton, are—they're uh, warning, they're warning each other, and they're saying, you know, we don't have a lot of room for error here. Somebody like Cornel West could muck things up. Somebody like RFK is really mucking things up. Um, now, the difference between RFK and Cornel West, of course, is that if RFK doesn't win the primary, which it's highly unlikely that he will. If he doesn't win the primary, he's then out of the picture, unless, of course, he reevaluates his uh, statement that he wouldn't run on a Trump ticket, right? So he's not he has not said he's going to run as an independent or a Green Party or anything like that. Cornell West has declared he's running on the Green Party ticket, which means that it doesn't matter whether or not uh, RFK gets 10% of the vote or 30% of the vote. It will be Joe Biden, and he will have to run against both Cornell West on the left and Donald Trump on the right. And I'm, you know, listen, all this stuff just co- continues to feed and fuel my um, strong belief and my gut feeling, which I've learned. you got to go with your gut feelings. When I went with my gut feeling in 2016, it was the right, the right choice that I made. And uh, my gut feeling in 2020, it was much more ambivalent, as you all know. Uh, but I was still, I was a cheerleader. I was on the, you know, on the wall for Donald Trump. I, and, I, and I still believe, I still believe that a lot of the pre-election shenanigans that went on with these legislatures in various states and then some of the abnormalities to the voting system and the whole COVID, everybody's got to have an absentee ballot nonsense really turned the tide against Donald Trump, who should have won. That's all, in my opinion. Um, But this is different. You see, this is really different. I don't think that uh, they're taking this seriously enough. You have to understand that people um, are, are, looking at policy much harder than they ever did before because they see that just voting for your party doesn't mean anything anymore. Like the uniparty gets into position and they don't attend to your needs. If you're the African-American or the Hispanic community, you're, you're going to get betrayed. Um, if you're the, you know, the, the I heard on the uh, previous show on Brian Kilmeade, he was talking about how you're seeing this confluence of, Uh, Religious people, whether it's Christians, Jews, and Muslims, or all these people joining together against pushing back against this insanity that the left has come up with. You know, we're going to, you know, allow children to determine their sex, and uh, we think that life doesn't begin at conception even though all the science says it does, you know. So the 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 people in the religious community are now saying, like, wait a minute, I can't possibly stick with the Democrat Party. They just, like, violate too many of the really... Um, That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. If you're a Democrat strategist and you're looking at all this, you're just just nervous. You really are. Because progressives helped Biden in 2020. You know, that included a lot of people who weren't overly enthusiastic about his candidacy, but they showed up because they were fearful or angry uh, towards Trump. Now, some Democrats say they would entertain voting for other choices this time around, and that makes Cornell West very dangerous. If, uh, if Joe Biden ignores Cornell West and doesn't include him in conversations about the direction of the country or the direction of the Democrat Party as a way to keep him and fellow progressives on board, I don't know, you know? I think, and I don't think that Biden will do that. It's still early in the cycle, but a sizable number of voters, 44% of voters are willing to contemplate a third party presidential candidate. That my friends is much more dangerous for the Democrats than it is for the Republicans. Anyway, let me remind you to get the app, the 850 WFTL app on your phone or on your computer. And if you have the app, when my time changes beginning next Monday, and I am on the air live at 3 p.m. If that's not a convenient time for you, oh well. But if it's not a convenient time for you and you have the app, you can listen whenever you want to. On your drive home at 5, uh, in, when you're on your treadmill at 7, or the first thing in the morning when you wake up. Because you know you can't go a day without me. So get the app, 850 WFDL app, or go to the website, 850wftl.com, and you could stream the podcast, whatever you need to do. Just don't ever miss a show, because once I get into the afternoons, all bets are off, the gloves are off, it's going to be a riot. All right, stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, you know, I'm just, my job, as I see it, you know, because I'm sure other people would disagree with me, but my job, as I see it is to analyze what's going on around us and to come up with at least what I believe is a fairly honest take, right? Now, I never claim to be unbiased. I think that's crazy. Um, People can say they're unbiased, but that just makes me nervous because if you don't have preferences, if you don't have even prejudices, although I'm not talking about racism, but just prejudice, like I don't like certain things, you know, I, I fully admit what I don't like. I don't like, you know, the idea that somehow we should ask children to make adult decisions. You know, I'm not embarrassed about that position. I'm not embarrassed about my position that uh, life begins at conception and that we need to be, as a society, reverent of life. I'm not the least bit uh, intimidated to talk about my faith you know, if it bothers you, then you really are living in the wrong country because we came here—the original people that came to the states—and let's not go into this whole Native American wants, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore back stuff. But the original uh, people that settled the United States, which yes, indeed, they uh, took away from the Native Americans, uh, those people came here because they wanted religious freedom. That was very important to them. So I am free. To talk about my faith anytime I want to. Now, in some settings, I may opt to uh, keep my my faith uh, private. In some settings, I'm very open about it. You know, I was uh, I showed up at uh, Club Forty Seven this last Monday to hear Congressman Byron Donalds. It was a great evening. Uh, My husband, who's a pastor, did the invocation. You know, so I'm sure for some people, you know, that might be somewhat startling. You know, uh, many people remember him as like some jazz, uh, you know, giant jazz host on Love 94. So then to know that he's a pastor, you know, may, may make them pause. But we don't hide our faith at all. I don't hide the things that I believe are good principles to live by. You know, I think that you have to obey rules. And if you object to rules, There are all kinds of protocols for changing the rules. In this country, if you want to change the laws, you have the means with which to do that. As long as we still have our First Amendment rights, you can challenge your government. You can actually redress your grievances to the government. That's right there in numero uno. Along with my religious freedom, along with my freedom of speech, all of which are being threatened right now. And so... If they think that, you know, that I'm dangerous because I believe those things, uh, you know, I'm prepared to 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 duke it out, certainly in the debate stage. It's time to, to stand up for what we believe in, and that's why you're seeing people from the Muslim community and the Christian community and the Jewish community come together and say, we've had enough. You know, stop telling our kids that they're in the wrong bodies. We just, we don't want you telling our kids that, okay? We don't want all of these books being read to little children that are way beyond anything a parent would read to their little child. Right? I, I read stories to my kids. I read stories to my grandchildren. I have read stories to other people's children when I taught in uh, you know, uh, preschools and early childhood. Um, I read stories. I would never choose a story that I thought was contrary to anyone who had a particular faith I just never did. Why would you? There's so many fantastic children's books. There's plenty of old-time stories and fairy tales and things like that. But then, of course, we'll get into a whole debate over whether they frighten children and you can't, have, uh, can't tell the story of Bambi because the mother dies. And Oh, God. What we have done is in an effort to make it a safe spa- space for any child who's enduring any kind of craziness in their life is we have eliminated discussing any of it. That doesn't work. You, know, you cannot keep um, people in a bubble, but you don't have to expose them to things out of sorts when they're too young to understand them. If I can't figure out what this whole transgender thing is about, and I cannot figure it out, you know, there's a level of social contagion that's undeniable. There's a level of uh, medical reality that's undeniable, but I don't know where those two, where one begins and the other ends. I really don't. So, if I can't figure it out, how can you ask a six year old or a ten year old or even a fifteen year old to figure it out? I would consider myself a little more uh, worldly and certainly as intelligent as any six, ten, or fifteen year old, okay? And if it's puzzling to me, it's puzzling to them. You know, even the little prodigies and the geniuses and all the rest of it. it's just it's just too much information, right? There's no reason to teach. A five or a six year old how to engage in uh, well masturbation. that's what these books are showing them. and they're you know proliferating. these books are everywhere and and the recommended reading that the uh, National Education Association and all these teachers unions are sending out to teachers this summer give me a break. We are literally training teachers to be indoctrinators. And they're indoctrinating our children and grandchildren into things that we don't even know uh, or understand. But we are making sure that our children are open-minded. Well, perhaps we've been a little too open-minded. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, I'm cutting back on my open, open-mindedness. open <laughs> You know, um, th- this is just crazy. It's just crazy. Well, we have discovered when we're finally gonna get to see Tucker Carlson again, apparently he will be uh, hosting or moderating whatever the right term is, a debate, a Republican debate. And so now, of course, uh, you know Chris Christie is going,, I' eh, not your debate to, to Donald Trump. Chris, let me explain to you and, and Pierce Morgan, let me explain to you, right? Because the two of them were discussing how Donald should be in the debate. What does Donald have to tell us that we don't already know? Please? You know, somebody, uh, you know, I I, I just claimed to be intelligent just a few seconds ago on this radio program. So what is it that I'm missing? What don't I understand about a Donald Trump presidency having lived through a four-year Donald Trump presidency during which time I got almost everything I ever wanted out of a White House? Almost, you know, didn't get my wall, but it wasn't really all his fault. Wasn't too satisfied with some of his moves, but you know what? He did what he said he was going to do. So what do I need to hear? You know, he doesn't need to debate. The rest of them need to debate because I don't know what Vivek Ramaswamy is really going to do. And and Ron DeSantis, this is not Florida. This is the United States of America. You can't do what you did in Florida in the whole country. It doesn't work that way, okay? So let them debate. Let Nikki Haley get up on the stage. I don't think she has enough points or money to get on the stage. I don't even know who's going to be allowed to debate. So far, you know, looking at these numbers, I think it's just Vivek may sneak in under the wire. Maybe Mike Pence will sneak in under the wire. But that's about it. Chris Christie ain't going to be on the stage. Nikki Haley ain't going to be on the stage. And Donald Trump ain't going to be on the stage. So as much as I'll be eager to see Tucker Carlson as the host, there isn't going to be much news on that. I'll watch it, but there won't be much news. Anyway, I may even attend it. I'm, I'm considering it just because... I'm finding this one of the most fascinating uh, election seasons yet. All right. Stay right where you are. I got to take a quick break and I will be right back. Ah, all right. Well, welcome back. You know, I, I just, the, the level of insanity right now out there because of the heat is crazy. Like, you know, I'm listening to people saying, this is record breaking heat waves and I've never endured anything like this. And like, is it just me? Or I, you know, it's hot. It's Florida. It's July in Florida. It's like it's always hot. And, you know, two degrees here or there really isn't going to substantially change the fact that it's hot, you know. But we live, right now, most of us, and look, I know there's some people who have to go without uh, some of the comforts that I enjoy, but most of us go from our air-conditioned house into our air-conditioned car, into our air-conditioned office or workplace, you know, does my heart break for the guys who have to do roofing? Yeah. You know, or guys who are doing paving or landscaping? Yeah. It's, this is tough weather to be working outside in. But for most of us, like 90% of us, stop complaining, you know. And, and just think back. If you're from up north like I am, think back to what it was like when you couldn't even get into your car because the snow was piled high and then once you did get in, it had to warm up and you just sat there shivering while your engine got warm enough for you to possibly turn on a heater and defrost your window and defrost your behind, okay? And then tell me that it's too hot for you. There's no end in sight, by the way, for Arizona. They are definitely, definitely... um, you know, in for way more hot. Um, this is the, the craziest thing that I've read in a long time. Well, I can't even say it. I read something crazy like every 20 minutes, so it's hard to decide what is the most crazy thing. But this is pretty darn crazy, okay? Um, conservatives are now condemning Tucker Carlson for what he posted on his uh, Twitter site He does a a two-and-a-half-hour interview with the alleged sex-trafficking woman-abusing fraud by the name of Andrew Tate. Now, I didn't call him sex-trafficking woman-abusing fraud. That's what the headline on Mediaite called him, right? This was the ninth episode of Tucker on Twitter. It was the first interview that he has done since he got dumped by Fox and he, he selects something that he knows is going to be extremely controversial, you know? Now, for conservatives out here who are all up in arms uh, about him and, and not, you know, really being clear about what's going on because this is a U.S. citizen who has been unlawfully detained in a foreign country, which happens to actually be a close ally of ours, Romania, and where he is charged with rape, human trafficking, forming an organized crime group to sexually exploit women. Now, you know, I don't know. You know, some conservatives like Eric Erickson, say, or UA, Andrew Tate right winger or a sound of freedom, right winger, you can't really be both. Well, you don't get to decide that Eric Erickson or anybody else. You know, when it comes to my beliefs, I am open to hearing things. That's all. Now at the end of the lengthy interview, I liked Andrew Tate even less. Than I did going into it. I really didn't know that much about him. I mean, I've heard all the rumors. I don't pay much attention to the rumors, but I was more concerned and more interested in finding out why, you know, Tony Blinken, well, I know why Tony Blinken, but why the State Department uh, doesn't, you know, get an American citizen out th- out of, uh, you know, the position he's been placed in in Romania. Uh, makes no sense to me. We, gen- we get, uh, you know, people who've been convicted in Russia, we get them out, you know, so why was somebody who's just being charged, alleged in Romania not coming out? That was, for me, the interesting part of the interview, the only thing I was really interested in, in hearing about. But, you know, Andrew Tate is one of these guys who has, uh, you know, claimed that the reason he gained some popularity and some notoriety is that he believes that men should be men. Now, he may take that way too far. Uh, You know, I I, I got a sense during this interview that he really is a little on the ugly side. You know, he's some ugly opinions about most women. But you don't get prosecuted for your ugly opinions. Because if you did, there'd be a lot of people in jail right now, you know, who don't think very much of women, including some, you know, uh, Bill Clinton, you know. Tate calls himself a misogynist, right? So there's nothing that he's accused of that he hasn't even sort of confessed to except for rape and human trafficking. He says, I didn't do that. you know. And people who came to his compound in Romania and allowed him to film them and then put those films on, you know, on whatever, on the internet. I I couldn't really understand what he did or how that could be considered human trafficking. I I just don't know. It sounds more like um, a lot of this was a big setup. And I just, you know, I I was open to hearing the interview. I'm not going to go marching into Washington and say, release Andrew Tate. You know, it's not my cause. But... The idea that there are conservatives out there and the usual suspects—they really are—saying, "Oh, um, not going to waste two hours of my life on this," Ben Domenech. Okay, but you married Meghan McCain, so that you know, enough said. Okay, I'm not—I'm not in the business of telling other people who they get to interview. You know, I'm—I'm I'm trying to figure out why the left is angry at the sound of freedom. Like I would imagine that the one thing we could all agree upon was that sex trafficking is bad. There's actual evidence that Tim Ballard, who is the DHS guy that the movie Sound of Freedom is based on, literally has an underground operation which rescues children who are being sex trafficked in uh, third world countries. Okay, because they're being sex trafficked here. You know, they're sent to America. We're the number one consumer of child pornography, of child sex slavery. So that's a story. And it should be exposed. But the left is like, oh, there's a bunch of QAnon people and Jim Cavizel is a QAnon guy. Like first and foremost, you know, I, I read somewhere yesterday and I have to steal the line. I wish I remember who, whose line it was, but I'll give them credit tomorrow when I remember or la- later in the show when I remember. But I don't, you know, I, I got accused of being a QAnon. I don't know what QAnon is. I don't think most people know what QAnon is. You know, I I never believed in, you know, some uh, pedophilia pizza parlor, you know. Every time I would see that pop up on a screen, I would, you know, just move on, right? You know, just not my thing, you know, Uh, just not my thing. But I do believe that there are criminal enterprises that traffic children. And I don't know who all the John Does are, okay? And they might very well be, Highly placed political people in this country and other countries. They may be uh, celebrities. I i don't know. I don't know. We're not even allowed to see the list from uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And we know there were some people on that island and certainly some people traveling around with Jeffrey Epstein who were very high profile and like not for nothing. But if you get on the Lolita Express and you go to Lolita land, you know, my uh, my guess is that you're OK with uh, Lolita, you know. Uh, but we, we're not allowed to know who was there, even if it was former presidents. No, no, no. Except that uh, Donald Trump did have a conversation with him once. Oh, you know, that was the headline. But not Bill Clinton. No, no. no. Why would we suspect Bill Clinton of having no respect for women? <laughs> you know, I feel silly even saying that, right? What he did to his wife. Which is why, even from the very beginning, I couldn't support that man for a millisecond. Because if you will do to your wife what he did to his wife, and then make her lie on television about it, even though she knew darn well—because I knew from an insider in Arkansas that everybody knew, including Hillary, what he was doing. He had, uh, you know, his his details, his security details in on it. He's meeting them in motel. Ugh! It just he's gross. He was gross, 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 gross enough with the whole uh, you know cigar humidor using uh, you know a 21 year old inter- intern as a humidor for his cigar okay look gross a gross guy but we can't know anything about his business with uh, Jeffrey Epstein you know that would be too damaging to i don't know what the democrats illusion that they still have some decency in their party and they all still like him good god you know both sides you got to be you got to be feeling really queasy right now when you look at uh, the political figures that are you know the ones we're looking for and and why by the way are we um at all concerned i i will have to say this i I never give credit to joe biden never i i feel bad because it's just so little to credit him with but i do have to give him credit no you cannot join nato when you're in the middle of a war with russia Because that would mean that every NATO party, including the United States, would have to join the war. And like, we're enough in a proxy war without us actually having to send troops over in blue helmets. Okay, no, no. Uh, That's the first thing that this guy actually stood up to probably the whole left who wants him to, oh, get out of NATO if they don't accept Zelensky. You know, please. And by the way, inflation has eased. It's, it's down, it's, I think it's 3% right now, which is very good, you know? Um, it just rose just 0.2% in June, which was less than uh, expected. We apparently were getting a break in energy prices. And that's, this is the lowest level we've been at since March of 2021. So, you know, look, I wanted to keep going in that direction uh, I want wages, worker wages, to keep going up because you have to adjust them for inflation. So that means when the inflation index goes down, the, the uh, workers' wages get adjusted up. So all that, I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't think it was Biden primarily. I think it was all the red states that pushed this uh, forward. But uh, he's the president, and if you're going to blame the president for everything, then you have to credit the president for everything. All right, don't forget, coming up after the show is Dan Bongino, but not much longer. And we're going to be running Dan's show from noon, when it actually starts, until 3 o'clock, and then I will come on following Dan Bongino at 3 o'clock. So that's the change that's coming. Uh, Ben Shapiro, 4 o'clock, the... Mike uh, matt wall show five o'clock and the WPTV news at six o'clock and then all the good guys overnight and then of course uh jen and bill will be back first thing in the morning so um get ready get ready for changes change is good don't be so resistant to change change is good i'll be right back to finish the show such a benevolent mood today and i s- actually said something nice about uh, joe biden I have to say that you know I've been claiming that I can't find a decent Democrat left in this country that I really I try, and uh, you know maybe RFK has got some decency in him, but a Democratic Georgia state lawmaker who happens to represent a very deep blue district left the Democrat Party and became a Republican. And now, mind you, this is a blue district in the city of Atlanta. So this was not a good political decision for her. But she said, I had to do the moral thing. The issue was school choice. And this is one of those issues that I've said really haunts the Democrat Party, particularly when it comes to um, minority groups. Uh, whether it's African-Americans or Hispanics or Christians, you know, whatever. Um, She could not find her Democrat colleagues standing by her when she decided to stand up on behalf of disadvantaged kids who want to go to a better school. She said, they crucified me. When I decided to stand up in support of safe communities and refused to support efforts to defund the police, they didn't back me. They abandoned me. She also took a shot at the Democrat Party for how it has treated black voters for decades. And, you know, I didn't say it in the beginning because I didn't want you to think it was the whole reason I'm, uh, you know, applauding her. She happens to be African-American. She said, for far too long, the Democrat Party has gotten away with using and abusing the black community. She said, for decades, the Democrat Party has received the support of more than 90 percent of the black community. And what do we have to show for it? I represent a solidly blue district in the city of Atlanta. This isn't a political decision for me. The most dangerous thing to the Democrat party, she said, is a black person with a mind of their own. She said she'll still work across the aisle with the other party to solve issues and that she's received a lot of support since announcing that she's becoming a Republican. She said that she is excited to help the Republican party focus not just on preaching to the choir, but growing the congregation. Wow, that's a, that's a powerful statement. There have been multiple instances over the last several months of state-level Democrats switching to the Republican Party, including in North Carolina, Louisiana, and West Virginia. Listen, it's the culture war which everybody wants you know, to back away from. It's the culture war. It's like them telling us now that if you're a homeschooler, um, you're probably gonna be recruited into white supremacist organizations, or now being healthy is far right. Do you hear that? Mm, well, my thought of the day. Now, if you rec- exercise regularly, then you might be a white supremacist, uh, or, or you'll be um, recruited by white supremacists. Now, not for nothing, But I I thought we could all agree on one thing. It's better to be healthy, right? You should eat well. You should do a reasonable amount of exercise. Look, the older I get, the less strenuous my exercise gets. I used to run. I don't run anymore. Um, I used to do aerobics classes. I don't do those anymore. My joints are, you know, too precious, and especially the ones I replaced, right? But I try to eat right. I walk at least five days a week, I swim, I do uh, you know, physical activity, and I control my weight because it's healthy. Not because I'm some far-right lunatic looking on websites, on health websites, to find out how I can become uh, you know, a white supremacist. They, they just get so silly that people pull away you know that if you listen to the MSNBC sometimes you could like you just scratch your head and so do they really think that anybody thinks like that that people who work out are doing what adolf hitler wanted that physical fitness was hitler said that if they everybody was physically fit they would stand up for the white race like what <laughs> it's just it's just nutty and so this is going to be an important election cuz i think they're going to get a lot of pushback from A lot of communities that they rely on very heavily in the Democrat Party, and that's fine with me because uh, conservatives and conservative candidates stand to gain when Democrats eat their own. So I thank you for your time this time until next time. My plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming. Now that's for tomorrow and for Friday I'll be here at noon. And then beginning on next Monday, I'll be on after Dan Bongino at 3 p.m. So God bless you and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.